0: With Tyson Bryden. Welcome to Nonstop Rock Talk. I'm your host, Tyson Bryden. Today, I'm very happy to welcome Gilby Clark to the show. Gilby, welcome. How's it going?
1: Tyson, I'm having a great day. Thank you.
0: Excellent. Now, you've just released a brand new record, uh, your first, first solo album, I believe, in almost two decades on golden robot records entitled the gospel truth tell me about your mindset going into writing and recording this album did you have a preconceived notion of how you wanted to present yourself in 2021
1: tyson i did i did i um because it had been so long and there was a period during that time where i wasn't putting out records where um you know, I kind of had a, the attitude of what do I need to make a record for? You know, it's a different world now. It's no more traditional record companies. My live days are fine. And, uh, and, and that was the wrong way of looking at things. You know, I I, I look up to bands like Teeth Trick, who are still prolific and still putting out great records. Yes. Um, so I had thought, you know, man, I've made a few records. I've kind of said what I wanted to say, put out a lot of riffs. You know, what do, what do I have that can contribute that's... You know, going to be good. You know, it's going to be better than those records. You know, so I had to take a good, hard look, and I had to, I had to do some work. And uh, I, I knew what I wanted to do. I, I, I thought the swag record that I put out uh, was good in the sense that it was very focused. Some of my earlier records, you know, they had pop side, rock side, stone side, blues side and but they weren't really cohesive but I think swag was pretty cohesive you know it was a rock and roll record so I knew I wanted to make a a, a rock and roll record guitars bass so but I, what I didn't want to do was be redundant in the writing you know I didn't want to be repetitive with lyrics cliché I didn't want to I didn't want the you to know the rhyme I was making before I made it like you know I love you you're the one you know all that kind of I want to avoid all that even chord changes. I wanted to put some tricks in there where you didn't know the next chord coming up. You know, things like that was important to me. You know, once again, I didn't want to be redundant or repetitive. Um, so there was a lot of work. I had to challenge myself lyrically, and it took a while. You know, it took a while. I mean, this record, I'm not saying it took five years to make, but, you know, it took a couple of years and some real reflective parts, on, on, on you know, for myself, you know, so... Yes, I did have a preconceived idea of what I wanted to do and, and I am happy how it turned out It did come out pretty much the way I hoped
0: it would That's fantastic I mean, you mentioned the thing about the rock and roll vibe And I totally got it from that It, it really, I guess you could say it really goes for the throat um, The guitars are in your face But more in a 70s, almost punk-like approach uh, it's bare, Thank you It's bare-bones rock and roll I mean, in terms of recording guitars How did you approach that? To me, it sounds like a guitar through an amp more or less
1: <laughs> and it is i mean i listened to a lot of rick derringer joe walsh uh paul costock that's what i was listening to because all those 70s records just had a sound about maybe just clarity in the guitars you know now with everything that we have available to us guitars are getting have so much gain on them and low end and you know i mean i don't know how they double on it you know so this is really pretty much the approach I've always used on my records, but I just kind of solidified it. The left side is my JMP 50-Watt Marshall. I used a different guitar. Sometimes it was my, uh, I have a 59 Junior, a double cutaway stock. I have a, my black Les Paul. I've been using forever a gold top Les Paul. And the right side is my AC-30, which sometimes I'd use a Duesenberg. Sometimes I use my Telecaster. Sometimes I use my Semaitis. So it was always, you know, Marshall, AC-30, never doubled, like I said, just, you know, those two parts. And if the solo was always done with a different guitar and a different amp. Like, I never used the same amp, the same guitar. You know, to me, in the world of Pro Tools, this is what helps with separation.
0: Right away, I kind of noticed that as soon as I put it on. And as the more I'm listening to it, the album, the more I'm, I'm hearing, more stuff's popping out to me. Which which I think is fantastic. I mean, on the title cut, there's. I mean, I've listened to it a few times, and I was like, "How did I miss those the the background singers?" And you know, like at the end, and I'm like, "Oh man, that just sounds so cool." So, yeah, I can't wait to keep listening to it. The unfortunate thing is that I guess the vinyl is not going to be out for not for a while, for a while
1: yeah 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 I mean, we are hoping six months from now you know I, i'm not sure if you're filled with the vinyl world right now yeah. but everything is backordered yeah. you know it, it's just uh, getting getting vinyl made right now is just uh it's impossible so it's not on our part it's just the, the the manufacturers are a little bit behind
0: and that's okay i mean it's something to look forward to i have the amazon exactly it's like do i buy the cd no you know what i'll wait i've got it on amazon i'll wait for that vinyl because i can't wait to put it on and listen to it yeah yeah i agree yeah, i agree so. <laughs> Now, I must ask about the track Tight Wad. Killer Song uh, features Nikki Six on bass, um, who I think needs no introduction, really. Uh, James Addiction drummer, yeah. Stephen Perkins. How was it that they ended up on the track?
1: <laughs> well, one of the great things for me as being a solo artist is I can use different people all the time. I, I, I don't I just have one drummer, one bass player. It's not to say that these guys could have played a whole, whole record. Of course they can, they're incredibly talented. But for me, it's inspiring. It's inspiring when I got Nicky in a room playing bass. You know, it just yeah. adds a different touch. When I got Perkins playing drums. It's just the way he plays. It, to me, these are the things that make it fun for me. So uh, Nikki was going to be on my first record, Pawn Shop Guitar. So we were both recording at A&M. Uh, uh, when they were doing the Karabi record. I was making Pawn Shop Guitar. So I tried to get Nikki in at that time, and it just didn't work. We just kept missing each other. And we've been friends. I've known Nikki before Motley Crew, you know, so we've known each other. We go out to dinner together, you know, we, well, we don't have drinks because Nikki doesn't drink. Yeah. <laughs> but the, 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 wives, no, the wives actually had lunch together two days ago. So it, it's a, this record is a family affair. Everybody who's on this record, I've been out to dinner with, they've been at my house. You know, uh, that element of not only just being talented musicians, but being friends does bring something special to it, I think. So yeah, Nikki, to me, Having Stephen Perkins and Nikki Six together is just magic. I know, I agree. <laughs> it just, it, it's just it—it's so fun. I mean, even Perkins said, "I've never been on a track with Nikki Six before." He had a big old smile about
0: it. it. The line is cool, though. The line he plays on that song is perfect. Like it's so cool. I that, Nikki.
1: Yeah, you, you wouldn't think. I mean, you hear Motley Crue records just a lot of do 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 do, but you know he came in with a great part and played a fifty nine P bass doing it, which to me,
0: oh, wow. just, just
1: great. That's cool. By the way, I want to point something out. If you listen to the single version of Tightwad compared to the album version, they are two different mixes. The single version is a little bit meaner. Uh, if you ever get a chance, I'll take a
0: listen to that for sure. Now, I must, I must ask the meaning behind The Gospel Truth. It's a great song, great <laughs> album title. Was there anything that inspired that?
1: Absolutely. So, in this modern day of Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, blah, 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 don't get me wrong, I actually enjoy Instagram. I'm not a Facebook guy, um, but I, I, I like Instagram. I mean, it really gives you a, you know, a window into uh, a lot of different people's worlds. So, but what I've been noticing is, like, we do a lot of these all-star shows and stuff, and, and it's just, you know, so-and-so played with blah, 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 you know? And it's just, there's so much leeway in this these days, and there's so much, anybody can make a statement, and it's true. You know, it's like, there's, there's no repercussions for your actions anymore. I mean, I grew up in Ohio, you know? If I, if I shot my mouth off or did something bad, I, I, I got smacked, you know? And that's just kind of the way I've always been in my life. I and mean, we all make mistakes, it's a part of life, but... Integrity is important to me it has always been so it's the first band I was ever in to this record integrity is important to me it's not easy having integrity you make enemies you know don't get me wrong you know not everybody loves you you know you're you're going to make enemies along the way stuff so, but it's important to me so the gospel truth is my truth you know we don't all have to agree we don't all have to like it i'm okay to say you don't like it i believe me tomorrow the world's going to still shine i'm okay but, you know, I'd rather you challenge me and, and, and say, you know, hey, man, I, you know, I wish you would have done this or that. I listen when you talk. I listen. You know, it's the same thing like when I'm playing a, a show in a club and somebody says something to me, I listen to them. I'm not saying I agree with them, but I listen. And so this is my truth. This is my the gospel truth. That's the end of be all. And the
0: people. album cover which I think is so cool. It's a picture of you and then there's the road and the clouds and, and I'm like, and then I look at it and I'm picturing you on a motorcycle and like, that's your view looking at the road almost.
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. I, I'm all about, if I'm not playing guitar, I'm on my motorcycle. You know, my, my wife understands that about me that every now and then I got to get out and just leave me alone. Don't call me. (laughs) It's just, it, 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 um, it, it, it grounds me you know in in a lot of ways i mean look in this modern world i mean i have bluetooth in my helmet i can hear music i can talk on the phone but a lot of times i don't hear anything man i'm just out on the road and i'm just you know that's where i come up with my ideas that's when i you know you know give some deep thoughts to some things that are important to me in my life so uh i actually didn't do the album cover my good buddy ricky vodka did but uh I, I, I liked wearing the minister outfit And the whole connection yeah. And I thought it was kind of fun yeah, so. it's, a cool it's rock and roll man We have a lot of leeway
0: That's right Now speaking of rock and roll Rock and roll is getting louder I love that title But I think Thank it, you it, I mean I'm listening to it And I'm thinking in retrospect Is this kind of a take on your say Of those saying rock is dead It's not dead It's getting louder and stronger But you also make reference to motorcycles In that song as well That's just uh-huh. kind of my take Maybe you can elaborate on that a bit
1: rock and is getting louder is about overcoming challenges there's a lot of lines in that song that are about you know things that happen and then the 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 good side of it like even take even taking a bad situation and turning it into a learning or a good situation that's what that song is to me you know you're right there's been a lot of talk rock is dead rock is dead you know i've heard it too it's bullshit acdc still plays to a stadium
0: and that new album, you wrote. know,
1: then, you, yeah, you two still plays to a stadium. Bon Jovi plays to a stadium. Come on, it's ridiculous. It's not it's not dead. So that's my point of view. Rock and roll is not dead. Hey, It might be a little underground right now. Maybe it's not everybody's cup of tea. But in my world, rock and roll isn't dead. It is getting louder. And, and that's my
0: point. I love here. it. Wise nice. old timer. Cool track. <laughs> and you know what? I kept listening to it. And I'm I'm trying, I'm listening to the lyrics and I'm like, okay, and, and you kind of mentioned that you're trying to, with your lyrics, you want to be a little bit more captivating and a little bit, you know, where people are kind of thinking about it. That was one I was like, I have no idea what he's meaning. He could be meaning himself. He could be meaning someone else.
1: I, I had to be very careful because I didn't think about it I didn't announce I did announce it before so I gotta be careful but the song's kind of about Billy Gibbons uh-huh. so Billy Gibbons it is a good friend I mean he sends me these I mean he, he's great to a lot of his friends right? he sends me these little surprises every now and then in the mail when he's out on the road and stuff and it's always just amazing because he's just a sweetheart of a person but what I love the most about Billy is when he starts telling a story it's captivating And it reminded me of when we were younger and we were playing on our block and there was an old man down the street and he'd say, get off my lawn, you know, or you kids. And then the next thing you know, he'd be going, hey, can you guys cut my grass? Like, you know, he's just (laughs) he was the wise old timer. Uh But Billy, and I don't want to put the age thing on Billy, but what's captivating about Billy is I've been around him enough where I've kind of heard some of the same stories a couple times. And they're always a little bit different. <laughs> you know, they always they, they kind of end the same, they kind of start the same, and end the same, but the middle kind of like that. So that's really what that song is about. It's just you know, like I said, being being the observer and honoring the wise old timer.
0: That's cool, and I love that slide solo in it. And that bass oh, line that accompanies it is so cool, too. It's like, yeah, the, that's my buddy EJ,
1: man. He really laid it down. It's
0: killer. It's, it's like, like it's, you're, you're trying to listen to both parts. You want to listen to that slide, but you're like, oh man, that bass line sounds <laughs> so cool.
1: It was very important to me once again. That, Like I said, look, I did go after a 70s type sound In the sense that I didn't want the bass doing what the guitar was yeah. doing I wanted the bass to be its own instrument And in almost every single song, it is its own instrument
0: Now, the vocal line in the first verse of Violation And hopefully you're not going to be mad at me for saying this <laughs> Kind of reminded me of Ace Freely from his first solo album It was like the way you presented it And I'm not sure how much of an influence Ace had on you um, if at all. But, um, I mean, I just checked out, that was 10 years ago, that version, that great cover you did, of God of Thunder with Slash and Tommy Lee. Oh yeah.
1: It was not great. Man, I'll tell you one thing, you can hear my guitar louder than anybody's in that
0: mix. <laughs> but anyways, that, that, it was just that part, but then the rest of it doesn't sound like Ace. It was just, I think it was just how you came across in that vocal.
1: You know, it's interesting that you say this because uh, I've heard this a couple of times where people have referred to Ace. Look, I, I'm a huge Ace fan. I mean, Kiss was one of my first fans that I got into. Uh, When I was a kid, I was, in my clique, I was aware of, I love Kiss. I love Zeppelin. I love Aerosmith. I love Alice Cooper. I had some friends that were like, if if you like Kiss, you can't like Zeppelin. They're not in the same plane. I was like, I I, I like Elvis. I like the Beatles. And I like the Stones. I like the Who. I I like them all. And I love them all. Not just like them. I love them all. So anyway, Ace was a very much an influence in the early days. I can't honestly say that his solo stuff is really, you know, what I listen to. Yeah. But uh, he's definitely, it's, it's in here. And there are some great guitar tones he had on some of those Kiss records, man. Like some of those solo tones, ah, yeah, just phenomenal. And I did listen to that. Like I said, there's some, I really paid attention, like uh, uh, you know, like how Gene played to the guitars in those earlier records was really, really good, and that is some of the stuff that I reference. Like I said, I'm, I'm not the guy that like listens to a record and goes to write a song. It's just yeah. I listen to records, you know, and I make note in my head, man, remember that, you know, so I can go back to it and check it.
0: Yeah, Gene, Gene always he doesn't even give himself enough credit for the for his bass playing. I, I agree about that. Too. I mean, I, he's very good bass player. Very good bass player.
1: Very melodic, very creative bass player. Yes,
0: I agree. Now, now I wanted to ask you about Guns N' Roses, and this is a question I always wanted to ask you. Um, when you joined the band, you had a short time, I understand, to learn the material, and I found it be funny because in the press, I believe that they said that nobody knew what Izzy had actually played. <laughs> So I assume yes. that I always assumed that his rhythm parts were panned on the. I guess it would have been left, left right? The
1: left. Yeah. So yeah,
0: and yeah. was it on Appetite and uh, you, Illusions was a little bit more complicated, I think. Yes. Um, exactly. And, and, and yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. So did so was it was it a challenge learning those parts? Like actually, because those guys didn't know what he played and.
1: Well, it, so so you you kind of answered the question. So. It's very simple. From the day that Slash called me to the day I went on stage was two weeks. Okay. And in that first week, they asked me to come down only a couple times to play with them. And when we played, we only played a couple songs. You know, we didn't like go through the set. So there was a a break, played a couple days on here from like three or four days. And then he called me and he goes, Gilby, you've got the gig. We leave next week. The first show's in Boston. Learn the whole catalog.
0: Wow.
1: And I went, why don't you just give me the set list? And I'll just learn the set list. Because that was a lot of fucking songs. Because yeah. the Illusion records had just come out. And I hadn't even heard them yet. You know, so it's not like they only had 20 songs. They actually, with, with the Illusion song, they had 50 songs. He goes, no, learn the whole catalog. He goes, we don't have a set list. I go, oh, come on. What do you mean? You guys are playing you know, arena stadiums. You have to, he goes, we don't have a set list. He just calls them out. You have to know everything. And I went, fuck. And, and so what I'm thinking is, well, we're gonna sound check and rehearse. No, we didn't sound check and rehearse. They, didn't, they, they, were, they had already been playing for a couple months. They didn't wanna sit there with a the new guitar player. The only time they would wow. do it was to get the background singers and the horn players together, you know? So I basically really had, and we always say, oh, I had two weeks to learn 50 songs. I really had a week to learn 50 songs. And this was before YouTube and, yeah. you know, all that stuff. So Scott said, Gilby, look, Izzy's left, I'm right, just learn left, okay? So that was my approach. But you're right, when I got the illusion stuff, you know, Slash played a lot more. Yeah. You know, there's there's not really clear Izzy parts on stuff. And so when I asked them, they're like, oh, I don't know what Izzy played. I asked up there on Sunday, what did it is about oh, I don't know what he played. Like they so in that sense they gave me freedom. You know, it's like, you know, learn 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 the important stuff and just make it your own. And Slash gave me a lot of freedom there. So there were things that like I played no for no and there's some stuff I just kind of played the way I thought it should go. But at the very end, the last song that I learned was The Strange. For some reason, I was really having a hard time finding my spot in, in a strange, you know, like listening to him. Cry. I hear slashes, but I don't really hear the, you know, the, 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 the rhythm un- under there. So I called Dizzy. I said, Dizzy, I'm really having a hard time with The Strange. Can you maybe sit down with, with me and we could find find what I could do? And he goes, oh, well, here's the music book. And he handed me a brand new music book of the Illusion record, It just no, came man. out and I go, there's a music book? Wow. <laughs> I just sat with my ear to a fucking cassette player for a week, and there's a <laughs> music book? <laughs> I was so mad. I, 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 I couldn't just sat with the music and learned this song take me an hour. You know, but I know I sat there with a, with a cassette player with a left on it and, you know, playing and learning and listening and playing and learning. And, so anyway, that was... Uh, that. That's Guns N' Roses for you. <laughs> That's great.
0: Well, you didn't have to, you did, you got, did you still have to learn like 14 years in Dust and Bones? Cause that,
1: everything I learned, wow. 50 songs, every song, every song, I, because I did not know what they were going to pull out. Yeah. Granted, look, people say, well, the set was pretty repetitive. Uh, yeah, but I didn't know it was going to be repetitive. Yeah. Axel called them out. There were songs where you know, like, if we played uh, one song, it usually meant the next song was this, you know, so that I caught on pretty quickly. Yeah, or you knew what the encore song was or the last song, you know. They're, they're, but the first song, every single night that we walked on stage, I didn't know the first song until I was standing there with my Les Paul on and my tech went to me, Night Train. It's so easy. Like, seriously, I had the guitar on. Ladies and gentlemen, Night Train. That's how I do the first song, every night.
0: That's crazy. Wow.
1: That's why I brought a Les Paul, because I figured I can cover anything with Les Paul. Yeah,
0: <laughs> that is <laughs> wild. Well, that is wild. So... The Freddie Mercury concert. How long was that after that you did that show? Since from when you joined the band?
1: Well, well, I joined the band in I think it was, uh, it, was it was late ninety uh, one. I don't really remember when the the Freddie Mercury thing. I, I, was, I assume ninety <laughs> two.
0: Cou- I think yeah. it was. I couldn't remember when. I, it was. I
1: don't know, but but. I do know that it was the first time I was ever in England. Uh, I had never been in England before. And, you know, England was like one of the dreams for me. All my favorite bands were English. So uh, it was my first time in England was, was doing that, that concert. And for me, it's been one of my favorite Guns N' Roses moments because all my heroes were on that show. David Bowie, Mick Ronson, myself and Joe Elliott were on the side of the stage watching them play heroes together, just like j- crying almost because... You know, we're both such huge, you know, David Bowie and Mick Ronson fans. And I spent the whole day talking to Mick Ronson and asking him every question that I ever wanted to ask. Him.
0: I remember I was still, I was in high school. I was late in high school when that, when that concert took place. And I think it started, I can't remember when it started, but I remember wanting to get out of school. So I could go home and watch it because it was a long, it was a long day of music, right?
1: Very long day, a lot of bands, a lot of bands. Yeah, we had like Spinal Tap and uh, Metallica and Extreme yeah. and yeah, 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 a lot of bands. So that was. was crazy. Def Leppard. Def, Def Leppard. 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 Yeah, yeah and yeah. that was
0: yeah. Vivian Campbell's first show, I think.
1: Oh wow! I, yeah, you know what? I, I think I do remember hearing that. It was funny because Slash and I remember walking around the stage because I remember I don't think we sound checked, uh, and we might have line checked or something, but. We were walking around the stage, and uh, we didn't have our A gear, from what I remember, because it was a one-off for us and stuff. And we were walking around the stage, and you know, Slash is a Marshall guy. Yeah. I was a Marshall guy, box guy, you know. And, and everybody had these like refrigerators full of like effects and different and lights and all this stuff. And him and I were just like looking at us, going, "What does that do?" <laughs> like, we, and then you hear it; and it just really sounded like a Marshall. I was like. But they just kinda of went like this and like this and do this and do this and metal and it. it still sounds like a Marshall. I just went into a marshal. Like I I couldn't comprehend it at that time.
0: That's crazy. That's funny though. So you guys were it just straight, You guys were just good. straight guitar players. Just plug in yep. and go. yeah, I
1: never he had a couple of things. Like I, I had a, the that roll in big uh, chorus pedal I had for a while. I didn't use it. I only maybe used it for a, a few months or something, but I literally was mm, Right well, I didn't. I didn't have
0: anything. No. I, I mean, I'm, I guess on Don't Cry, you might have had a little bit of a...
1: That's what I'm saying. I had that course unit, you know. Just, But I didn't use it all the time. Like I said, I, I, I got rid of it after a while.
0: Now, I saw you with Slash of Snake Pit in Toronto. Ah, at the, was that at RPM? Well, it was RPM, the warehouse. The warehouse was next door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I still love that album very much, by the way. Um, Thank you. I was actually right up front. It's still funny. I still have the guitar pick that says <laughs> Cure Me or Kill Me on it.
1: A uh, funny, yeah, and I've got
0: I have a frame with all these pics, and it's kind of right in the middle. It's so cool. It's like an orange, you know, orange, one, orange yeah, yeah. Harley orange. And you know what's ironic? Ironically enough, about that show is they were giving away free tickets for the next night to see Age of Electric, who was fronted, well, oh, who was fronted by God. Todd Kearns Right on. Yeah, it's like uh, and I when when I started researching for the interview, I was like. Oh yeah, I totally forgot about that. So we went to that show, and then, ironically, here we are. You know, he's playing with Slash now.
1: <laughs> it's yeah, isn't that great? Yeah, it's awesome, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I, for me, I remember because wasn't that the same venue that the Stones played or something? Was was, was that the I same venue? It was. I, I could be wrong. I think.
0: Well. Yeah. I know the sounds. Didn't
1: they have like a voodoo lounge or yes, something in Yes, they did. It? Yes, Is that the same thing? Yep. Then that's the one. Yeah, yeah. The, the Stones that played there. That's because I, I, I hate to say it, but you know, I'm pretty sure I played the same venue with, with my solo band the, the year before.
0: Wow, that's crazy. yeah, yeah. Because our- <laughs>
1: it was funny because I played some of the you know the same places I just played with Slash the Snake Pit. You know, cause Slash purposely wanted it to keep it down and dirty. Not that he couldn't do it; he wanted to do it.
0: Oh, it was an amazing show. And Eric was Eric was killer. He was, How
1: loud were the guitars? They
0: were loud. From what I remember. <laughs> oh, yeah. From what I remember. Yeah, they were was, pretty loud. And that was a pretty big I mean it, it was, was a kind cool. of a weird venue because it was kinda it was length like more than it went back. It was kind of really long, yeah. right? And the stage was right there. It's unfortunately it's been torn down, I believe. But oh, yeah.
1: Well you know in Toronto, you know, in the years I've played there quite a few times over the last, you know, 10 years or so. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a great rock and roll town, man. Yeah. You know, you've got some, some great venues still. So hopefully they made it through all this, you know, be ashamed. To yeah, this, I, think, I think
0: most of them. It, it was, that venue was torn down before COVID hit. It was yeah. kind of like they, I think they put condos there, to be honest with
1: you. <laughs> Why not? Right? It's like front, so. So the same thing in the House of Blues here in Hollywood, man. It's uh, going to be a condo. So that sucks. <laughs> now,
0: now, pawn shop guitars. Um, my buddies and I played the, sh- we played the shit out of that. Album. <laughs> so I was stoked when I got the, the reissue.
1: The vinyl! Yeah,
0: man. And it sounds so good. And it's red, right? Yeah, it's red.
1: Yeah, red. Looks- to be honest, I have nothing to do with the vinyl. It's, uh, it's a company that bought the license. I, really? I, I, I went to a record store and bought a copy myself.
0: You had to buy your own copy. That's crazy. Yeah, It sounds good, though. Yeah,
1: that's all right.
0: It sounds great. Yeah,
1: yeah that's what yeah, I It did sound good. Yeah, they did do uh, their own masterboard because I do remember back in the day we did one, but it never came out.
0: Really, eh? Yeah. And I just saw that someone had that Slash of Snake Pit has been released. I saw a guy with it. It's a red vinyl. And I'm like, where yeah. did that come from? Was that from back then or is it new? I. I, I have no idea. There was a guy on...
1: Yeah, me neither. There are a lot of companies that are, you know, they're able to license it. Once again, if it's on a major label, like punch Guitars was on Virgin. Yeah. So they, people can license it. You know, if you pay the fee, you can license it and put it out yourself. You just have to, you know, pay the piper. That's
0: crazy. Now, I was, it really now is. last year, I, I was able to get the Kill for Thrills on vinyl. Wow,
1: now that's a hard one. Yeah,
0: I got it. It came from Europe. And uh, wow. I bought it on Discogs, and it is mint. And look, it's still got the hype sticker on it.
1: <laughs> Isn't that crazy? What does it say? I don't know what the hype uh, is. It says Kill know. for
0: Thrills, Dynamite from Nightmare Land, uh, includes uh, Brother's Eyes, Motorcycle Cowboys, and Rockets. There you go. Yeah. Right on. And it sounds great. It sounds good. Um, I had actually just caught an interview you did. Uh, Mm-hmm. Probably, I think, last week or whatever. And I was surprised you spoke of certain members of the band not getting along, which I, I think it happened yeah. from time to time in bands. Uh, I mean, possibly there were a few elements that contribute to the band not getting the recognition it deserved. Yeah,
1: yeah, well, we were also, Kill for Thrills, Kill for Thrills happened so fast. Yeah. Um, we got our record deal at our first show who we were opening for a local band that was doing their industry showcase. So they had invited; they were headlining the whiskey really? and all their the labels there. And we were opening. And by the time we were done with our set, all the labels were in our dressing room and making us offers, offers. And we literally had four major label offers. And I only had six songs written. Our set was only seven songs with a cover in it. And, uh, and I was like, ugh. And I think part of, what was the problem about that band is, like I said, everything happened so fast. We really didn't solidify as a band, you know, it was kind um, of you know, the bass player and the drummer were, were a team. And I was on my own. The, uh, the guitar player was on his own. And we just never were really cohesive, you know, and we needed a little more traction. And, and like I said, you know, making a record within the first few months of being a band is probably not the best thing to do. You know. So
0: when did the EP come out?
1: Well, this is is an interesting story. So at that time, we had finished recording our our, our full-length record. And uh, at that time, EPs were starting to take off. Matter of fact, I think it was GNR who did Lies. Everybody's doing these little EPs. So the label had this great idea. Why don't we put out an independent EP first and then follow it with the full-length record? And I go, go, look, uh, these are all the songs I have written. (laughs) I I I can't just go write six more songs in a week. So they did kind of take some outtakes, the songs that, like, demos, you know, and stuff. So that's why the EP really isn't very good. Um, But, yeah, it was just outtakes, and they put this EP on, like, a a small label. And, like I said, we also had a really, some really bad luck. So everything was leading up to this big tour. Do you you remember a magazine called RIP Magazine? Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. Big Magazine. So we were going to do this tour called the RIP Magazine Tour. And uh, it was Kill for Thrills, Circus of Power, and a band called Mother Love Bone. I
0: loved Mother Love Bone. Great band, man. It's
1: only one problem.
0: The singer died
1: a week (gasps) before the tour launched. Really? a week before and we all were getting we're all you know it was a co-headlining we we're going to swap places every night because nobody was really like circus and power was big in uh, new york we were big in la mother Love one was big in seattle but the rest of the world didn't know we knew who the fuck we were so we were going to swap spots every night rip was going to present it was going to be a great tour and andrew died a week before and so the tour went That's- and and like i said in our, our career too circus of power too you know nobody really you know it, it, it really killed the momentum that's
0: crazy i mean i lo- I really yeah. dug that band and i think mother love bone could have done really well i agree of course we got pearl jam out of it but yeah that's not so bad you know <laughs> that's not so bad but i think they were they were kind of maybe they were the in between the seattle and the la thing you know what i mean
1: and that's what we were too Kill for yeah. thrills like i mean it was you know we were 88 89 when all the stuff was happening but we were nothing. Lendo no disrespect the bands like Warrant and and all that. We were nothing like that. We were, like I said, we were we weren't metal, we weren't grunge, we weren't alternative. We were just like but ourselves, Mother Love Bone, and, and like is it Circus of Power? we all pretty much the same. So
0: MCA were they supportive?
1: Well, I I, th- I think in their own way they were supportive, but we were signed by the president of the label, and then we were handed to an A and R person, and even though. I'm sure the A&R person is a good A&R person. They really didn't sign us. The the president of the label signed us. So, you know, the president of the label isn't going to oversee everything. I thought we were just kind of caught in the the middle, you know. I mean, I thought the songs were good. You know, I thought it was a strong record. I just, you know, just just some bad choices we kind of made that we, you know, it just happened to be bad choices. It's not like we made bad choices. They turned into bad choices. I think some
0: of those songs were mature. In terms of what, like you said, we weren't a, like a warrant. They were, they were, and Janie was a great writer. Don't get me wrong, but they were yeah, a little, yeah, bit, little bit more mature than what you know, like a party band was putting out from L.A. Yeah, yeah. Which, which I thought is. was. Thank
1: you. I agree. You know, what's interesting is uh, Chris Lord Alge mixed that record, and Chris Lord Alge wow. mixed "Rock and Roll Is Getting Louder" on my new record. And when I came in, and uh, you know, you know, I've known Chris forever. And we're laughing stuff. He goes, he goes man, this is going to kick ass. It's going to just sound like the Kill for Thrill's record. I went, you know, Chris, I always thought the Kill for Thrill's record was a little bass light. <laughs> and he goes, oh, it holds up today. And he puts on like, one of the songs that had bass on it. Yeah. And he's like, that sounds great. And I, go, I thought it was a little light on the bass. Because the band really had some really, once again, some cool bass lines in it. So I just really didn't hear it so much on some of the mixes.
0: Yeah, you like to hear that bass. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like I, I said, <laughs> on, those, on those tracks on your new album, I'm, yeah, I mean, I'm listening to it on computer speakers, and I'm hearing those bass lines.
1: Yeah, put the headphones on. Put the headphones on. It'll be a little clearer. Okay, yeah, yeah, I, you will hear all the... Yeah, yeah, i worked hard, like I said, on things like, you know, uh, stereo, and, you know, things are here for a reason, and there. I work hard on that. That's
0: awesome. Sonically, it sounds fantastic. I'm going to put the headphones on tonight. <laughs> yeah, right on. Now, I want to thank you for joining me on the show today. Uh, it was a pleasure. But before we go, I must ask about touring plans for the album. I'm assuming you're going to be getting out on the road soon. Now that I guess the states thing is opening up a little bit more.
1: Yeah, we're gonna. I mean, we we have offers. We haven't accepted anything yet. We, uh, as I mentioned earlier, we had just done a couple shows a couple weeks ago, uh, just to test it out. And it's still. uh, I don't think we're ready yet. But so we have some. We have some offers. We're just gonna. We're gonna wait and see with everybody else. My worry is, you know, once the floodgates are open. You know, once the big bands start getting out there, you know, not everybody's going to have the money that they had three years ago. You know, so, you know, we're going to be all competing for the same thing. So we got to be smart about it. And, you know, we we all don't have to rush, you know, music, you know, like, so we're talking about a couple of those records, maybe 80, we can still talk about this record next year. That's
0: true. I mean, we're still in lockdown pretty much up here.
1: I understand. Yeah.
0: So, I mean, our cases went really high, but now they're going back down. And I mean, yeah, that's good. Our vaccination levels were not as good good. as they were in the States, but now they're really ramping it up.
1: Yeah. That's good to hear because, you know, uh, I mean, we're in California, we're still on lockdown, too, you know, but it is getting better. Like, we're still eating outside, which we're lucky enough to do, you know, but, uh, it uh, like I, said, I, I myself, my wife, my daughter—we've been vaccinated for almost a month now. I think it's been so. Yeah. And my band, two of my band guys are vaccinated, one's still waiting or, or, or whatever. But uh, yeah, it's it's getting there. But you know, this is this is unknown territory for all of us.
0: Exactly, exactly. So, well, Gilby, thank you so much. And uh, you got
1: to tell good to talk to you, man. I'm glad that you're. Uh, you know that that you love the music, man. Rock and roll. We got to keep it I alive do, and well I out there.
0: I do, and it was a pleasure. Thank you so much you got it man be good okay you too take care
1: all right take care man
0: bye-bye